Well, it's good to see everybody this morning again. My name is Jay, pastor of Community Fellowship Baptist Church. We're glad uh, that you're with us today. Uh, we are going to be in the book of Colossians, and so let me encourage you to, to get off the couch. If you hadn't already, grab your Bible and uh, turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Last week, we started a series out of the book of Colossians called The Sufficiency of Christ. And really, the book of Colossians deals with this theme of the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He is supreme. He is above all things. And because he's above all things, he is sufficient for all things in our lives. And, and, and I want to just give some background as we begin this morning. This, this epistle written to the Colossian believers, uh, this church in Colossae was not started by the Apostle Paul, but rather it was probably a result of the ministry at the church of Ephesus, Ephesus was about 100 miles away from Colossae and Laodicea, and the Apostle Paul, though he did not start this, this ministry in Colossae, it was a result of his ministry in Ephesus, and so this was an extension of the fruit that he had in Ephesus. He really desired to get to Colossae to see those believers. As a matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says that, I, I wish I would that you know what great conflict I have for you and for them of Laodicea. And as for as many as I have not seen my face in the flesh. In other words, Paul really desired to see those people in the flesh. He, he wanted to impart a spiritual uh, gift to them or wisdom to them. He wanted to teach them more. And, and I said this last week and I'll say it this week. Every pastor, quite honestly, in this world uh, has the same desire that the Apostle Paul had. They're desiring to see the people of God in the flesh. And I'm thankful for technology. Uh, but I also look forward to the day when the church of Jesus Christ can assemble together again, uh, and, and that's what we're called to do. And so, and so the Bible tells us that, that, that this book of Colossians is very, very important. One key observation in the book of Colossians is the mention of this city called Laodicea. And, and what's interesting is that, that the city of Laodicea is only mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and in the book of Colossians. And as we study Revelation, we see that there are seven churches that Jesus Christ personally addressed in the book of Revelation. The last church that he addressed was the church of the Laodiceans. And, and we can take those seven churches that were real historical churches in the Apostle John's day, and we can certainly learn practical historical truth that each of those churches was facing. But we can also see an overview of the entirety of church history, leading right up until the rapture of the church, as mentioned in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. And so Laodicea is the very last church that's, that's spoken to by the Lord Jesus Christ, and it really mentions or, or, or gives us a, a, a doctrinal application that this epistle of the Colossians, it is addressed uh, to the Colossians, but, but Paul made sure that in Colossians chapter 4 that those Colossians read this epistle to the church of the Laodiceans. And it's so important doctrinally that we understand the content of this epistle because this is the epistle for the church in the last days. As a matter of fact, it's probably the most important epistle. Listen, all of God's word is important, but this particular epistle, as it relates to end times and the last days of the church age, is really important. And so, and so we wanted to spend some time in this, uh, especially in these perilous times that we live in, to make sure that the church is ready to meet its Savior. And so this morning, I want to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, and uh, that'll be on the screen for you prayerfully. If not, just follow along in your Bible. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, 
to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which he have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. And ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit." And so last week, we learned that these Colossian believers, they had three things that were really important. Number one, they had a past redemption. And, and the Bible talks about that in verse 4. They had faith in Jesus Christ. And they also had a present resource that they were living in, and that was their love for the saints. And they also were looking for a future rapture, and that was the hope that they had laid up in heaven. Now listen, what made those things possible in the believer's life at Colossae, at Colossae is the exact same thing that makes those things a reality for us. Those things were possible for the, the Colossian believers because of, and only because of, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, because they had received the gospel of Jesus Christ, they had a past redemption story. There was a moment in time in history where the gospel came into that area and they heard it, and they believed on it. And that was a moment in the past, but they were living in the present reality of the gospel, and because of that, they were able to exercise brotherly love, and they were looking for that future hope, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to get his bride from heaven. All of that hinges on the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, our message is entitled, The Truth of the gospel. And I want to talk to you out of the book of Colossians about the truth of the gospel. And actually, if you're taking notes this morning, that's your first blank uh, in your notes the truth of the gospel. And, and, and Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5 For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And so God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through the Apostle Paul, calls the gospel, listen, the word of truth. It, it's the word of truth. And, and, he, and he says that these Colossian, this, these people at Colossae, they heard the word of truth of the gospel, and, and then they believed it. And so in your notes, look, there's a key definition. The word gospel literally means good news. That's what the, the, the term gospel means. It means good news news, but specifically, and let me just say this, listen, we always look for good news, man. Every day we turn the news on, it's, it's bad news, it's negative news. We're looking for good news. But the greatest news is the gospel, and biblically defined, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the scriptures. That is the good news of the gospel, specifically of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul gives us a detailed analysis of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he plainly lays out this teaching. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 8, Paul writes and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news 
which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, here it is, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. And so listen, this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is clearly recorded for us in 1 Corinthians 15. But I want you to understand, church and listeners today that are, that are viewing in the live stream, listen, the good news of the gospel begins with some bad news. And I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but listen, the, the gospel has some negative before it shifts into positive. You know, the Bible teaches us that, that Christ died for our sins. And so the, the first part of the bad news is that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short, short of the glory of God, that we've all sinned by nature and in exercise. And the Bible also teaches us that the wages of sin is death and hell for all of eternity. That's the payment. That's what's required for sin. Well, it doesn't take anyone with a, uh, a PhD to, to realize that's, that's bad news. The, the gospel begins with bad news, that Christ died for our sins because we're all sinners. And, and the verse goes on and it says that Jesus Christ himself, God manifest in the flesh, he died for our sin. Well, that's also bad news. The fact that God came and that he died for our sin. You see, Jesus Christ was willing to take the punishment and pay what was required for our sin. Death. The judgment of God in our place. The Bible also says that Jesus Christ was buried. That's bad news. And, and listen, in our culture right now, listen, we are now more than ever uh, tuned in to the precious, the preciousness of life, the value of life, the value of a soul, if you will. We are confronted every single day with numbers. How many people are infected with COVID-19? How many people have died in each individual state as a nation and in countries? Listen, more than ever, we are coming to terms with our own mortality. And Jesus Christ died for our sins and he was buried in the grave that absolutely was intended for us. But friends, listen, on the third day, the Word of God says that He rose again. And here's the good news, because Jesus Christ is not dead. He's now alive. The third day, He rose again according to the Scriptures, and He is alive forevermore. And, and the Bible goes on to say that He was seen of 500 plus people, personal witnesses and testimony of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Well, that's good news. The good news is that Christ died for our sin, he was buried, he rose again according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. It is the gospel that is truth. And you may have heard that story before and in your heart and mind say, you know what, if, if I were there and saw it myself, I would have believed it. But right now, I just really don't personally believe that. I don't think it's truth. Well, listen, friend, it is intellectually undeniable that Jesus Christ did what he said he was going to do. As a matter of fact, history proves it. 
There are eyewitnesses accounts all through history that proves that Jesus Christ was literally on this planet. History proves it. The Bible proves it. Listen, statistically, the probability of of God fulfilling everything that he said Jesus Christ was going to do, it is absolutely statistically unbelievable. And yet it's provable. He did everything he said he's going to, to do. 500 human witnesses, personal accounts, prove that Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ is truth. Oh, and by the way, the personal testimony of millions of people that have experienced his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his salvation. Listen, what I mean is the gospel is absolute. It's truth. As a matter of fact, you would absolutely have to be a fool to deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you would have to be so foolish to deny what clearly has been revealed through history, through the scripture, through eyewitness account, through statistical probability, and transform lives. The Bible says in Psalm 14 and verse 1 that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And God knows that there are some people that would just deny that Jesus Christ came, that, that he is God in the flesh, that he died for our sin, that he rose again. And sadly, there are some people that willingly choose to reject that. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 25 that there are some people who change the truth of God into a lie. And friend, listen, I want you to, to be encouraged today that the gospel is absolutely true. It's true. It has to be true As a matter of fact, because it is the gospel according to the scriptures, that even reinforces the fact that it's truth. Listen, there are a lot of people in the 21st century looking for truth today. Pilate said in John 18 and verse 38, when Jesus Christ was standing before him in that mock trial, Pilate said to Jesus Christ, what is truth? And listen, we live in a culture that that has no absolutes, that has no standards. We, We even argue, is truth really truth? Can there be an absolute truth? Well, thankfully, in a world of uncertainty, we can find truth. And here's the key principle that you want to get. Listen, the truth of the gospel is rooted in the truth of the scriptures. In other words, because God said it in his word, we can trust it. We can believe it. John 17 and verse 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In other words, the gospel is true because it's according to the scriptures. God has given it an absolute assurance of authority. You know, in Titus 1 and verse 2, this one's not on the screen, but the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Do you realize that if God told a lie and, and if his word contained any lies at all, that he would cease to be God. Do you understand that? Listen, God cannot lie. Because the minute he lies, he becomes like sinful man. And we're pretty good at lying. Well, not you at home, but but, you know the rest of us that are in the room, I guess. Listen, God can't lie. Romans 3, 4 says this, God forbid, let God be true and every man a liar. God is always true and his word is always true. And the gospel, according to the scriptures, it's truth. It's absolute truth. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Listen, I don't know what else you need to believe it. 
I mean, God's given you everything that you need. He's given you his general revelation through creation. He's given you his specific revelation through his word. He's given you countless people that you know that have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you see a transformed life living out right in front of you. What else do you need? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. Let me pause right there. There are some people probably listening to this message this morning saying, You know what, Jay, that's, that's nice. You're reading from an old King James Bible and you're quoting verses, but that's really just your opinion. Well, friends, listen, this morning, God, God would have you to be encouraged that you don't need to receive anything I'm saying as Jay's words. You need to receive it, the Bible says, as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. In other words, these Thessalonian believers, when, when, when Paul wrote this epistle to Thessalonica, he just encouraged them Hey, when we came through and preached the gospel and we preached the scriptures to you, you didn't sit back and just say, oh, well, Paul, that's just your opinion. That's just what you think. No, they actually received it as it is in truth, the word of God. And so listen, the gospel is truth. And we learned that from Colossians. The reason that their, their city was changed and those believers' lives were changed was because of the truth of the gospel. Then the second point we want to study this morning is the method of the gospel. The method of the gospel. And if we go back to Colossians 1 and verse 6, the Bible says that this gospel, the, the word of truth that is the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. And so that's, a, that's like half a verse, and I understand that. But, but Paul just makes the point that the gospel was going all around the world, and it also came to this area, and it begs the question, how did the gospel come unto Colossae? How did it get there? It's the same way, the same way it got there is the same way it got throughout all the world. The method of the gospel. And so, uh, how did this word of truth come to them so they could hear it? How did that happen? Well, there's a couple things that we can learn from this passage this morning. Number one, the first key is this. The gospel of truth, it has to be preached in word. It has to be preached in word. It is a verbal exercise. It's a verbal expression, the preaching of the gospel. Friends, listen, there is no such thing as lifestyle evangelism without preaching the gospel. In other words, you can't just say, well, if people just watch how I live and how I'm different, well, they're going to realize that they, they need to get saved. No, that's, that's actually not in the Bible. The word preach means to proclaim. It means to announce. It means to instruct. And so the gospel has to be preached in word. It has to be communicated. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. By the way, he does make a very clear distinction between baptism and preaching the gospel. Baptism is not the gospel, and the gospel is not baptism. And he says that I'm, I'm preaching the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross 
is to them that perish foolishness. We actually studied that just a second ago. Those that would say, oh, this is just baloney. This, this whole thing about the gospel is just baloney. It's garbage. It's not real. Well, God, God says, unfortunately, when you perish, you're going to consider that just foolishness. And God said it's truth. But unto us which are saved, the Bible says, it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And so we can't preach the gospel, by the way, without preaching the cross. He says in that verse that Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. In the very next verse, he says the preaching of the cross. Preaching the gospel coincides with preaching the cross. Because Jesus Christ died for our sins. In other words, you can't have a gospel without going through Calvary. You can't, you can't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't come to the cross of Jesus Christ uh, you can't come to the gospel of Jesus Christ without going through the cross of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And that's the only place where we can be forgiven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, again, Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I proclaim the gospel, I, I speak the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Listen, Paul was burdened. Man, this is, my, this is my lot in life to share the gospel with people. It, it is my purpose for being here. And again, listen, most Christians today that, 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 that have responded to the gospel themselves personally, many of us haven't gotten to the point of actually preaching the gospel to other people. Well, if they'll just look at the way I live, they'll realize they need to be saved. No! Listen, the method of the gospel is, number one, it's got to be preached in word. It's got to be preached in word. In, in Romans 15, and, and it's not on the screen or on your, on your TV, but just listen. Paul, Paul said in Romans chapter 15, verses 19 to 20, that I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And, and he mentions a bunch of different areas. Jerusalem, roundabout, Illyricum. He says in verse 20, I strive to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. In other words... He was looking for people that had not heard the gospel. And listen, there are people in Huntsville, Alabama that have not heard the gospel. I know we have a church on every corner. I know we have a church, you know, literally on every block in this city. But, but having a church doesn't mean the gospel has reached this city. The method that the gospel infiltrates a city is by being preached. It's by taking the word of God into the field that God has put us in and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in word. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, For our gospel is not coming to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And that's a great verse because it says that we should preach the gospel with word, our, our lips, but it also says that we should preach it in power, but not our, our power, but in the power of the Holy Ghost. As, as we're walking in the Spirit, God, God will give us the words to say, and we can preach the gospel with much assurance. Because it is the message that God has given us. It is the greatest message of good news that this world could ever hear. Oh, and by the way, it also says, you know what manner of men we were among you. Oh, your lifestyle actually does matter too while you're preaching. It really does matter. It actually gives some flesh 
to what literally you're saying with your mouth. And so listen, let's, let's be good stewards. Let's preach the gospel in word. Secondly, the method of the gospel, not only should the gospel be preached in word. Number two, the gospel's got to be heard. It's got to be heard. There have to be people to hear what the word of God says. That presents challenges in these days because we're tasked with social distancing and no public gatherings and things like that. And so listen, you know, but I, I know most of you can scream further than six foot. And so listen, somebody needs to hear what God has in your heart uh, concerning the gospel. Look at Romans 10 and verses 13 to 15. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm thankful for that promise and the word of God. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And you say, Jay, I'm so glad I tuned in this morning and I'm going to share this link with the people that need to hear the gospel in my family and that are my friends and my coworkers. And I'm thankful for that. Listen, we pray for, for people to get saved every week. We pray this morning for people to get saved. You may say, well, I'm not a preacher, Jay. That's your job. No, 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 no. Actually, you are a preacher. You may not be a pastor, but listen, if you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ personally, God's already commissioned you and he's actually sent you to preach his gospel to other people. And we get that out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 to 20. And, and, and many of us know this passage as, as believers. This is a tremendous passage that, that gives us encouragement and tremendous promises. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we quote that verse and we say, Praise the Lord, but we forget to read the rest of it. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, and the us is all of us that have been changed. Those of us that have been made new, he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the same us that's been made new in Christ. He's given to us the word of reconciliation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of reconciliation. Now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Church, listen, we are ambassadors. We are representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation He's given us the word of reconciliation. That word needs to be spoken so other people can hear it. We need to be actively engaged in the gospel preaching. You say, well, again, I'm not a preacher. You are. You may not be a pastor. You may not be a, 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 on church staff or anything like that. But listen, if you're saved, you're a preacher. And God's commissioned you and God sent you. And let's be about his business. Thirdly, not only is the gospel to be shared in word, and then number two, the gospel is to be heard, but number three, the gospel must be believed. It must be believed. And maybe you're listening today and you would say, Jay, I'm hearing you up to this point. Well, well here's, the key, here's the key point that you got to get. Once you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's time to exercise belief in it. 
It's time to exercise faith and trust for your sin in the finished work of Christ. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. You got the same progression. They heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation, in whom, in Christ, after they heard that, they believed and they were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see, the gospel only has none effect if you don't believe it. It only has none effect if you don't believe it. It it, it only doesn't have power in your life if you don't believe it. But if you do believe it, friend, listen, it's the power of God into salvation. The Bible tells us that. It is the thing that allows us to be sealed with the Spirit of promise. By the way, you're sealed until the day of redemption. You have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so what we learn from these Colossian believers is something that, that we need to apply in Huntsville, Alabama. The key questions are, are this. Number one, am I presently preaching the gospel to the lost? You say, that makes me nervous. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but listen, that's, that's who we are. We're ambassadors for Christ. We've got the greatest news on the planet, greater than a cure for COVID-19. It is the cure for man's sin. Listen, am I presently preaching the gospel of the lost? Who needs to hear, in my circle of influence, who needs to hear the gospel? Who in my family? Who on my job? Which neighbor have I identified as not having a relationship with Christ yet? And can I pray that God gives me the open door to go share Christ with them? And listen, some of you may be listening today, and the reality is that you've heard it, but now it's time to believe it. Now it's time to believe and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, let's get to the last point, and we're done this morning. I want to show you, lastly, the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of the gospel. And so we've seen the truth of the gospel. It's absolute truth. We've seen the method of the gospel, how it's to be preached, and then heard, and then believed upon. And then lastly, we want to see the fruit of the gospel, because Paul says in Colossians 1 and verse 6, the last half of that verse, he says that that gospel It bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Listen, the gospel of truth, when it's preached and it's heard and it's believed upon, it brings forth fruit. It it, it has an effect. It brings forth fruit. And and he even uses the the present tense usage of those verbs. It, It bringeth forth fruit, presently speaking. Not just something that happened in the past, the day you got saved. It's presently bringing forth fruit in your life. It doth also in the Colossian believers. Listen, you ought to be able to look backwards and find that moment in time where you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you responded by faith in the finished work of Christ. Every one of us ought to have that moment in the past. But presently speaking, the gospel is what allows us to to, to see fruit come from our life. John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth, listen, much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. The same bringeth forth, not just a little fruit, not, not just a tiny bit of fruit, much fruit. And Jesus says that without me you can do nothing. 
And so there's two, two principles that we can learn from this point. Number one, the gospel brings forth inward fruit. The gospel brings forth inward fruit. In other words, listen, when the gospel is a reality in your life, it's not just a moment in the past, but it's a present reality that's still bringing forth fruit. Uh, one of the things that it does is it brings forth the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, excuse me, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And by the way, it does not say that the fruits of the Spirit are these things. It says, singular, the fruit of the Spirit is. And it's these nine things. And so listen, when you get sealed with the Spirit of God, when you responded to the gospel by faith, listen, the Spirit of God sealed you. And it began presently bringing forth fruit in your life. Man, you were to, in these days especially, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because the gospel is a reality in your life. You can exercise brotherly love like never before. Why? Because the gospel is a present reality in your life. In times of uncertainty, you can have an unspeakable joy. Why? Because the gospel is presently working in your life. Not something that happened 20 years ago. Something that's happening today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a reality, and it's still bringing forth fruit in and through my life. Long-suffering. Anybody going crazy right now? Staying in your home with your kids and your spouse? I get it. Listen, God says you can bring forth fruit through long-suffering through the Spirit of God. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You get the point. Philippians 1 and verse 11 says this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Listen, guys, listen. We ought to have an inward fruit that is very present. Because the gospel is a reality, we should absolutely have an inward working of righteousness and love and joy and peace and and a bunch of other things that we don't have time to talk about this morning. It inwardly should be working to bring forth fruit in our life. But then secondly, the gospel also brings forth outward fruit. It brings forth an outward fruit. And what I mean by that is, as we have opportunity to share the gospel with people, listen, those are other people that will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, verses 16 and 17, when, when, when the Apostle Paul was reaching out for ministry support and help, uh, he, he says in uh, verse 16, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul had ministry needs, and they helped meet those needs. He says in verse 17, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire, here's the key word, fruit. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You see, when the gospel is presently working in our life, it does bring about inward fruit. But listen, there should also be some outward fruit that's visible because of the gospel working presently in our life. It's the fruit of the souls of men as we share the gospel, as we preach Christ. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1 and verse 10 that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, listen, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
So listen, God, God's desire is not only that we come to Christ, but God's desire is that the gospel is a present reality for all of us. It, be, it continues to have fruit in our life. And you know, this morning's a great time to inspect the fruit, quite honestly. When I grew up in South Alabama, some of my greatest memories were going to visit my great-grandmother. And uh, in her backyard, she had several different varieties of fruit trees. She had pear tree, uh, blueberry uh, bushes. She had uh, blackberry bushes. I mean, there was, I could just walk in her backyard and honestly walk around and just eat the fruit from the different trees. It was a tremendous uh, uh, blessing growing up. And, and I always enjoyed just going to her home and just walking in the backyard and, and seeing the fruit on the trees. And, and it's readily available to, to eat and partake of and made myself sick many a time by doing that. But that was okay. It was wonderful uh, at the time being. You know, the reality is a tree is supposed to yield fruit. And, and maybe you're listening today and you say, Jay, listen, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, I've heard the gospel, and I would say that I've even believed the gospel, and, but I look at my life and I don't see any fruit. Well, friend, let me, let me just encourage you, but also challenge you from the Word of God. This is a really profound statement I'm about to say. This, this is, you know, smart people going to the ministry, so here it is. Fruit falls from the tree it's from. Fruit falls from the tree it's from. In other words, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus Christ gives us a, a kind of an understanding that we need to, to grasp. He says in verse 16, "Ye shall know them by their fruits. And he's talking about men. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth fruit, good fruit, excuse me. Every tree that bringeth forth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so listen, that is a strong passage of Scripture, and, and God wants us to settle the issue in our heart and life of, do we have any fruit? And if we do have fruit, what kind of fruit is it? You know, for some of us this morning, we may need to settle the issue of our salvation once and for all. And the reason why is because as we examine our life and as, as we know that God will examine our life, we don't see any kind of fruit. We don't see any kind of transformation from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, you can't receive the gospel without being transformed. You can't receive the gospel without being made new. You can't receive the gospel without being sealed with the Spirit of God. And the desire of the Spirit of God is to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, and maybe you would be honest enough with yourself and with the Lord to say, you know what? Today's the day I need to be saved. Today's the day I need to be saved. Listen, friend, today you can do that. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. You can understand that Christ died on the cross for your sin, that he bore your shame and he bore the penalty for your sin, and he did it for you because he loved you. And that free gift of salvation is available to you if you'll put your faith and trust in him. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Guys, listen, I did that July 11th, 1997, a long time ago. A friend of mine shared this gospel of Jesus Christ with me, and for the very first time, it made sense. And I realized that, that I personally needed a Savior for my sin. And if you're listening to my voice today, you can do that right now. You can bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. But you know, some of you may be listening today and, and you may have said in your heart, you know what, I've done that. I've made that decision. I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
but I still don't see any fruit in my life. I still don't see any fruit in my life. And let me just say this, fruit doesn't produce in a back, backslidden believer's life. In other words, if you're not abiding in Christ, who is the vine, you're not going to be able to bring forth much fruit. And you may be saved, but you've disconnected yourself. You, you've lost fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth is that God's been trying to get your attention for a long time. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 and verse 11, God is a perfect father. He's a perfect father. And sometimes as, as, as disobedient children, our father has to come and, and whip our behind so that we get uh, focused back on him and a right relationship with him when we walk in disobedience. Listen, he's a perfect father that loves us and chastens us in his love. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and verse 11, now no chastening, in other words, no punishment for the present seemeth to be joyous. And listen, maybe you're saved today, but you said, you know what, I've lost the joy of the Lord. I've lost the joy of walking with Christ. I have no fruit in my life. And God's been getting a hold of me. And that may be for weeks, months, or even years. Well, well listen, the chastening for the present, it's not joyous. The Bible actually says it's grievous. It hurts a little bit. Actually, it hurts a lot. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And, and I just want to encourage you, listen, if you're saved today, but you're backslidden on the Lord, you don't have fruit in your life, the joy of the Lord is gone from you, and, and you're experiencing the grievous chastening of God's loving hand in your life, you know, God, God's admonition is that you just repent. God's admonition is that you just confess your sin and come back to him. God wants to restore a right relationship with you. He wants to bring in your life the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And all you have to do is repent and turn back to him. And so in closing, let me just again remind you, number one, the gospel's truth. The gospel is truth. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It is truth. And by the way, it's truth whether anyone believes it or not, because God said it. It is absolute truth. And, and, and church, listen, this morning, we need to understand the gospel is sufficient to save us from our sin. It is sufficient. If you hear it, if you believe in it, and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sin, and you ask him to forgive you for your sin, friend, it's sufficient. It will. It can. And thirdly, the gospel is still sufficient to bring forth fruit. In other words, for many of us, we don't need to pigeonhole the gospel to some point in history in our past. The gospel should be sufficient to bring forth fruit today. Today, inward fruit, a love, joy, and a peace, and all the other things that the Spirit of God manifests in us, but also an outward fruit as we share the gospel with other people. Church, listen, I hope the gospel is a reality in your heart and life. And if it's not, right now, you can bow your head, close your eyes, and ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. And if you are saved today and you're backslidden on the Lord, you can bow your head right now and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you and to restore you and to bring you right back into fellowship with him. And I trust that you'll do that. As we close, we're going to put up the prayer slide one more time. And we're going to ask that if you have any prayer requests, maybe you need to be saved and you don't know how to do that, if you'll, if you'll scan that QR code 
and just put in a, a prayer request, say, hey, I need to, I need to talk to someone about, about being saved. Just do that, and we'll reach out to you. Put some contact information on that. We'd be glad to do that. Maybe you have a spiritual need, and you just really need somebody to pray with you. Scan that QR code. Uh, put in your prayer request. One of our leaders will reach out to you. Thank you again for joining us today uh, for the service, and I am praying for every one of you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless you.